Welcome to Akoban, a war horn with Junius Ricardo Stanton. Welcome to Akoban, the war horn with Junius Ricardo Stanton. The Akoban is an Adinkra word and symbol of the Akan people in West Africa. It is a specially carved animal's horn that makes a distinct and unique sound. The traditional villagers use it as a call for alertness, call for preparation, assembly, and in extreme cases, mobilization. We sound the Akoban to alert you to perspectives, present interesting personalities and souls that may not be available in the corporatist and the dictatorial digital media. So stay tuned. And we'll be right back following these messages and a breathing, relaxing exercise. Greetings to the Internet Radio family. This is Reverend Valentine speaking. You know, for nearly 30 years, I have had the distinct experience of being interviewed over every medium of communication available to the public. And except for the metaphysical underground, I can think of no other electronic venue that has been more progressive, more innovative, more insightful, more diligent, more diverse in its demographics, and more courageously supportive of the truth than this ever-growing phenomenon called Internet Radio. And this is precisely why I'm here to tell you that it is so vital that you give your wholehearted support to it. Tell a friend. In fact, tell two, three, and four of your friends. If you are a business owner, support Internet Radio by telling your customers and constituents all about it. Let them know that there is a legitimate and important substitute to all of the prefabricated, super-sensitive garbage polluting our public airways today. Don't allow the mass media to continue to treat you like a mindless consumer drone. Enhance your awareness. Indulge your critical thinking, your reasoning, and your analysis. Do as I do. Log on, listen in, and then let it be known all about your internet radio experience. Chimatep, beloved family, thank you for listening. Walk in light. This is a mystical meditative moment. Wherever you are, pause, take a deep breath, hold it, exhale through your nostrils, take another deep breath, hold it, exhale, inhale, hold it, exhale, pay attention to your stream of consciousness, listen for the quiet, the stillness, inhale, hold it, exhale, hold it, inhale, hold it, allow the stream of consciousness to quiet itself. Listen, listen for the inner voice of your true and highest 
itself. Take a deep breath. Hold it. Exhale. Sit quietly. Relax. Exhale. Inhale. Hold it. Exhale. Relax. Totally relax. Inhale. Hold it. Exhale. Now you're prepared. Just to go on with your day, refreshed, energized, and more focused. Stay strong. Listening to Akuban, a call to awareness, a call to alertness, a call to action, and a call to war, with Junius Ricardo Stanton. And welcome back to Akuban. As we celebrate Black History Month, and of course, Black History is world history, and it should be celebrated every day want to share a piece that I did. It's entitled Fort Mose, Florida. Quote, more than 300 years ago, courageous Africans escaped from enslavement in British colonies. They fled southward on foot to Spanish St. Augustine, crossing swamps and dense tropical forests. Along the way, they sought assistance from natives, thus creating the first Underground Railroad, quote-unquote, unquote. The Fort Mose story, HTTPS, colon, forward slash, forward slash, fortmose.org, about Fort Mose. Most people think the path to freedom for enslaved Africans in the British colonies and the U.S. ran from south to the north along the fabled Underground Railroad. But that is not the case. Blacks escaped via a southern route to Florida, and a few fled into the Midwestern territories. Spain had a different approach to slavery. Slavery existed in Spain, but in Spain, slaves, who were mostly prisoners of war, had rights. They could own property, and they could sue in court. As a strategic move, King Charles of Spain ordered the Florida colony to provide free haven to enslaved people from the British colonies. Quote, In 1693, King Charles II of Spain ordered his Florida colonists to give runaway slaves from British colonies freedom and protection if they converted to Catholicism and agreed to serve Spain. The fugitive slaves from South Carolina who made it to Spanish Florida, could expect to gain more control over their own lives. Even as Spanish slaves, between the late 17th and mid-18th centuries, an unknown number of slaves from South Carolina successfully escaped to Florida. Spanish records note that at least six 
separate groups of slaves who escaped from South Carolina to St. Augustine between 1688 and 1725. This policy of refuge encouraged fugitive slaves to free to Spanish Florida in the hope of a better life if they made it to a Spanish outpost, and it gave the Spanish a weapon to use against the British. Spain's policy toward runaways took laborers from the British colony and boosted its own colonial population to oppose the British, unquote. Fort Mose, site Florida, www.nps.gov, forward slash NR, forward slash travel, forward slash America. The first actual black settlement in Spanish Florida was Fort Mose. It was founded in 1687. The Spanish, who were bitter rivals of England, France, and the Dutch, offered freedom to escaping enslaved people with the condition they pledged loyalty to the Spanish crown and convert to Catholicism. Most of the Africans who fled South Carolina headed south to Florida. Escaped males had to serve in the Spanish militia. The hardy souls who made the trek had to transverse swamps and thick forests to make their way to St. Augustine. Many did not survive the journey. The first to arrive was a small band that included only eight men, two women, and an infant child. The escapees were a welcome addition because they provided skilled labor and men to man the fortified settlements. Quote, the Spanish were glad to have skilled laborers, and the freemen were also welcome additions to St. Augustine's weak military forces. In 1738, the Spanish governor established the runaways in their own fortified town, Gracia Real de Santa Teresa de Mose, about two miles north of St. Augustine, Florida. Mose, pronounced Mose, became the first legally sanctioned free black town in the present-day United States, and it is a critically important site for African-American history. Mose provides important evidence that black colonial history was much more than slavery and oppression. The men and women of Mose won their liberty through great daring and effort and made important contributions to Florida's multi-ethnic heritage, unquote. Fort Mose, America's Black Fortress of Freedom, www.floridamuseum.ufl.edu. A fortified town was established and the black men who arrived served in the militia defending the fort. Quote, by 1838, more than 100 freedom seekers had achieved asylum. In that year, a fortified town named Garcia Real de Santa Teresa de Mose was constructed on St. Augustine's northernmost border. Fort Mose became the site of the first free black community in what is now the United States. A formerly enslaved African led the free black militia of Fort Mose. His name was Captain Francisco Menendez. For years, the warriors valiantly protected St. Augustine. However, when Spain ceded all of La Florida to England in 1763, the citizens of Fort Mose once again faced enslavement. They abandoned the fort and sought safety in Spanish Cuba. Unquote. HTTPS colon four slash four slash Mose dot org forward slash about Fort Mose. The wars between Spain and England spilled over onto their colonies and the British took Fort Mose in 1740. 
The residents fled to nearby St. Augustine, but regrouped under their leader, Francisco Menendez, and subsequently retook the fort. Quote, by 1738, there were 100 blacks, mostly runaways from the Carolinas, living in what became Fort Mose. Many were skilled workers, blacksmiths, carpenters, cattlemen, boatmen, and farmers. With accompanying women and children, they created a colony of freed people that ultimately attracted other fugitive slaves. When war broke out in 1740 between England and Spain, the people of St. Augustine and nearby Fort Mose found themselves involved in a conflict that stretched across three continents. The English sent thousands of soldiers and dozens of ships to destroy St. Augustine and bring back any runaways. They set up a blockade and bombarded the town for 27 consecutive days. Hopelessly outnumbered, the diverse population of blacks, Indians, and whites pulled together. Fort Mose was one of the first places attacked. Led by Captain Francisco Menendez, the men of Fort Mose militia briefly lost the fort but eventually recaptured it, repelling the English invasion force. Florida remained in Spanish hands and for the next 80 years remained a haven for fugitive slaves from the British colonial possessions of North Carolina, South Carolina, and Georgia, and later when those possessions became part of the United States. Unquote. Fort Mose, Florida, 1738-1820, James Bullock, www.blackpast.org, African American History, forward slash Fort Mose, Florida. Fort Mose was abandoned and was overrun by Marsh. Fort Mose garnered attention in the mid-20th century when archaeologists began uncovering the ruins and discovered the African contribution to St. Augustine, Florida. The state of Florida acquired the 24-acre site and administers it today through the Anasata State Recreation Area. The area is located in a marsh, so there is no public access to the actual fort site. In 1994, Fort Mose was designated a National Historic Landmark. And we add that to our black history knowledge. Fort Mose, Florida. And we need to realize that black people never really acquiesced to enslavement or captivity. There were always instances of resistance, always instances of rebellion, even if it was one person or two people. And during this Black History Month, we're going to share some information about the resistance. Our next podcast, we'll talk about the maroon communities in the United States and talk about them because most people really are totally unaware of them. And then we'll talk about intellectual resistance with the first black-owned and published newspaper, Freedom's Journal, because it's important that we understand that there is always resistance to oppression. The human spirit is designed to be indomitable, is designed and created to be expansive, always growing, always moving, always evolving, always transforming, and ultimately the goal is transcendence to become a partner with the creator in making this world, this dimension, a better place. That's our challenge. Even in the midst of all this craziness and the insanity that's going on today, to remember, meaning to rejoin with our divine consciousness, 
recognize who we are. We're all children of the Most High. And to find meaning, purpose, and fulfillment in our life in such a way that we make a monumental contribution where we are to the collective and to the planet. We were initially caretakers and stewards of the planet that the Creator gave us. And when you look at cosmology and history of indigenous aboriginal people, we find that there was this connection, this covenant with the Creator to respect the natural order. In fact, there was an awe, a mystical awe about it. And our people held that covenant until the coming of the invaders, the coming of the settlers, the coming of the usurpers. And today we are seeing a major push to usurp the natural order. That these people, I call the Sethians or the Luciferians, who want to assume control over the natural environment and alter it to fit their psychopathic and megalomaniacal consciousness. And it's our responsibility to resist. It's our responsibility to maintain and to remember the covenant we made with the Creator. Because we're all here for a reason. We're all here for a purpose. We're not here to be a cog in some industrial machine or some technological brave new world order. That's not why we're here. The overlords, the elites, that's what they want. They want us to be numbers and just digits in their digital machine. But we're more than that. We're living beings. We're living souls. We have talents, genius, and innovative creativity in every cell of our bodies. It's up to us to bring it forth and not allow it to be redirected and usurped and exploited in a negative way. You know, this whole system that's touted and we're, we're subject to propaganda, brainwashing, and mind control to make us go along with it and to make it like it's the greatest thing that's ever been produced by humankind. They want us to love our enslavement. And then we're headed for massive enslavement as we speak. And we can see it in the guise of concern for the environment, this so-called anthropomorphic or anthrocentric climate crisis. They want to blame humans for destroying the environment. No, it's not humans, it's greed. It's people who have gone against the covenant, the divine agreement, who want to tear down rainforests, who want to pollute the oceans, who want to poison the air and, and the natural resources, all at the same time where they want to own and control it so that they have ultimate control over all the resources on the planet. That's what we're up against. And we're seeing all types of machinations and excuses and uh, rationale for what they're doing. And one, one such rationale is this so-called health crisis. It's really not a health crisis in the sense that they portray it as some plague or pestilence. It's a health crisis because many of us are not well. Many of us are not in the best of health. We're not experiencing optimum health because of the choices that we make. We all have choices. You can eat the garbage that they're putting out. You can eat the poison GM, GMO, the frankenfoods that they are planting, processing, and creating, 
or you can choose sustainable food. You can choose organic food. The choice is yours. It may be inconvenient to have to go to a store that sells organic material. It may be more expensive, especially in these times of this mass madness, economic and monetary madness that they call inflation. But when you weigh it against the, the benefits, it's beneficial to go out of your way to go to the organic store or to shop in the retail store that sells organic food. Yes, it will be more expensive. Yes, it will be inconvenient. But in terms of the results and the outcomes, they'll be more positive for you and your family. And those are the type of choices we have to make. You have to choose whether or not you're going to be, be inoculated by this massive fascist cooperative effort with the government and big pharma where they totally ignore the reality of natural immunity. They totally ignore our immune system, which is very complex and complicated, but nonetheless works, has been working for millennia and it is such that it evolves as we grow and so that it knows how to deal with all the pathogens and knows how to deal with all the the various microorganisms that are all around us. There, there are literally millions of organisms where you are right now. Some of them are dangerous in the sense that if you have a, a compromised immune system, they might present an opportunistic infection, but in and of themselves, they pose no real threat. If you are a healthy person and your immune system is working and you're doing everything you can to cooperate with it, you'll be okay. Even if you get the flu, even if you get influ influenza, even if you get COVID, if you don't have any significant comorbidities, you'll be okay. The sad part is that the so-called science and what is really scientism where they're worshiping these people in a white coat. They're worshiping these people that have funny letters behind their names. But their intention and their character is not for the good. They have abdicated their responsibility. They've turned their back on the Hippocratic Oath. I call them Hippocratic hypocrites. Most of the older physicians took the Hippocratic Oath. And it says, first, do no harm. And there's a whole list of things that they promised not to do. And when you look at science today, and when you look at a whole piece called iatrogenesis, which is harm or death by doctor or healer, meaning misdiagnosis, wrong procedures, wrong prescription medicine and pharmaceutical interactions, malfunctioning medical equipment, poor care, just uh, malfeasance and malpractice. Hundreds of thousands of people die every year based on that. And it's been said that it is the third leading cause of death in this country. I've seen some reports that say it's third. I've seen other reports that say it's sixth. It's something we don't talk about. They just tell us, trust the science. Well, it's the science these doctors who have created iatrogenesis and look it up see for yourself and the other thing is they're trying to rationalize what they've done and just the natural procedure this so-called warp speed we know they cut corners we know they didn't do the, the proper 
longitudinal tests, especially with an experimental process like mRNA, which are essentially genetic markers that alter the internal structure and the internal intelligence and internal paradigm of each person that is injected with this mRNA vaccine. So clearly, they didn't do their due diligence. The other thing is they're immune from from liability because it was given emergency use authorization when it shouldn't have been because there are other effective treatment modalities out there and the suppression of these modalities is now coming to light. The other thing is if, if everything was on the up and up, why are the FDA and Pfizer requesting that the information about their tests be sequestered for 50 years or more? If everything was cool, is this almost like what they did with the John F. Kennedy assassination? They're trying to suppress everything until all those people who were alive at that time and subsequently have made transition. They have no intention of, of letting all the evidence come out so we can see that all the narrative that they said that there was some lone gunman or they say things that are just physically and scientifically impossible happen. And that's what they're doing with this. That's what they, they do with everything. It's not just that. It's they're doing with the GMOs the same thing they did with cigarettes. Edward Bernays crafted a marketing campaign for cigarettes, particularly aimed at women. It was chic. It was revolutionary. It was beneficial because it made you lose weight and all that kind of stuff. And they're doing the same thing with GMOs. Just to the point that the FDA is so corrupt, they don't even put up an argument. There are literally countries in Europe and Africa who have banned GMOs, whose governments fought on behalf of their citizens and their residents to stop this type of poison from being injected and infiltrated into the, their marketplace. Not here, not the FDA. They get funding from user fees from these pharmaceutical companies and some of these research places. So when you delve and you look behind the curtain, you see how corrupt this system is. Same thing with education. Now they're fighting against, uh, they don't want certain things taught in the school. They call it critical race theory. Well, critical race theory is not being taught in school. They would oppose something like what I just shared with you about Fort Mose because they don't want you to know about enslavement. They don't want you to know about the resistance movement. I, about two months ago, I read a, an article about how they were trying to stop the truth about Texas, about the, the true founding of Texas, how Americans brought their enslaved people there and bum-rushed it and tried to uh, alter the policies because the Mexicans had said uh, they did away with slavery. The, the, the Euro-Americans came in, brought their enslaved people, and immediately tried to s steal the land, which they were doing all across the continent anyway. And that was all part of their, what they later called, manifest destiny. But they don't want you to know that. They don't want you to know that they had a program, a deliberate program of extermination and annihilation of the indigenous people, even though we can see the consequences outcomes and results of that. They don't want you to connect the dots.
So they say, oh, that, that's bad. So we're moving into book burning uh, figuratively and literally. And they've always done it. You know, they ran uh, Ida B. Wells out of Memphis because she was telling the truth about lynchings and she had a righteous newspaper. And so these are things that we need to know, we need to be aware of. And when you say, well, why should why should I do that? That that rocks the boat. Well, the boat is sinking, in case you haven't noticed. You look at the, the country, you look at just the general degradation and the implosion and the ineffectiveness and the incompetence and the corruption that is endemic in this system, the boat is sinking. So you could either use your God-given talent of imagination to envision a better world and work toward that end, change your values, change your consciousness, to move toward that higher vibration, that higher energy, and try to get more and more people to uh, resonate on that same vibration so that you can see an improvement. Or you can go along with the okido. To use the matrix analogy, you just keep on doing what you're doing and you take the blue pill. So that's the challenge. That's what we're doing. That's why we sound the Aquaman to alert you to a different way. There's always a different way to see a thing, as it said in uh, The Course of Miracles, a student manual. I think it's lesson 32, I think. There is always another way to see things. Albert Einstein said, you can't solve a problem using the same level of thinking that created it. We're not going to solve the problem of war using the same mentality that created it, the same values, the same consciousness. We have to vibrate on a different level. We have to use our imagination. We have to be willing to sacrifice and to try something different. And by different, I mean go back to the original way of cooperation and mutual aid and respect that was the hallmark and the bedrock of indigenous aboriginal people. And we've gotten away from that as the West has used greed and avarice to get what they want. Yes, they've used some innovation. They've used some geniuses to, to develop, develop technology and, and to move on. But overall, we have to ask, has that been beneficial to the planet? And has it been beneficial to humanity? And I propose and I suggest that it has not been. That when you look at the scale, you look at the pluses and the minuses, if you were to do a SWOT analysis, you would come to the conclusion that we can do better. And to do better, we're going to have to change. With that, we encourage you to change. Engage in mental decolonization. Free your mind. The rest will follow. As always, we wish you love, peace, health, prosperity, wisdom, and power, but most of all, courage. The courage to find meaning, purpose, and fulfillment in your life so that you evolve into all that the Creator intends for you to be. And your life manifests magnificently in a great partnership with you and the Creator, and you make a magnificent contribution to the collective. Be well. Stay strong.